Hi, Lisa. Hi, Julie. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. What's going on this week? Uh, not much. I'm recovering right now. I did the Roadrunners Club of America 10-mile club challenge this weekend in the <laughs> pouring rain, 38 degrees, which gave me, brought back memories of Boston, was minus the winds. It was a, a tough race in tough conditions. We thought we were going to get a break. We got to the start line, and it was just drizzling a little bit and everyone looked at their, you know, was looking at their weather apps and said, oh, it's moving out. What rain ending in six minutes, we're good. And we started the race and uh, it was pretty manageable, nothing too bad. And at about mile seven, it was like somebody turned on the cold water faucet in the, oh. in the, in the shower and it was like down for freezing cold rain. And it was, it, that was, it was tough. And that, that course, the first half is net downhill with some ups and a lot of it's all up and down. And the second half is net uphill. So it was in the harder half of the race, uh, but it's a really awesome race in that it is scored by club affiliation. So you're not going for an age group win or a, or a male, female win. You're going, you're working for your team. And I'm proud to say that Montgomery County Roadrunners Club came away with the female masters first place the female of uh, male masters first place grand male grandmasters first place i think so we have a lot of old fast runners in yes and our, our club so it was and you and let me you did great and you led the charge for the female masters you and ann falcon yes, yes and um other participants on the team were karen ryan yeah we had a bunch of really um, strong strong female masters runners um, and uh, yeah, and my, my only goal going in was to finish, try to finish faster than I did last year. And ironically, first of all, the weather was similar. We had rain last year, but it was much warmer. I actually wore shorts and a singlet last year, so it must have been 50s. And this year was much colder. But uh, so my goal going in was see if I could run at the same time or a little faster than last year. And I ran 10 seconds faster than last year. So How about that? So accomplished my goal and uh, felt good, felt strong. Other than, you know, the last three miles were really, and I experienced this in Boston too. And I had a discussion with this in the locker room after with some of the other women who were changing and we were all freezing that, you know, my muscles feel like they lock up when in cold rain. And we've talked about this before. Like that's not my weather. I just, my body doesn't move right. And I felt good the first, you know, five, six miles. And when that rain started coming down, I felt like my muscles were locking up and it, it really started affecting how I felt. I felt like I was working so much harder to maintain even close to that pace. And we were talking in the locker room that, um, that that's a lot of people experience the same thing. They were like, I felt like I couldn't move. I felt like, you know, my joints were, were, were stiff. And so that, that's, I'm really hoping last year, I remember distinctly running that race and being in the downpour, albeit 50 degrees at about mile seven or eight and thinking, I'm so glad this isn't a marathon. Like this will be done in two or three miles. And then we got to Boston and I thought, oh no, now it really is a marathon. So I'm hoping that this weather didn't portend any conditions in Boston, but uh, you know, you got to make the best of it. You're given what you're given. And it was really motivating to be around all the other runners there and running for your club. And it's such a 
a, a stacked race, the competition that comes out, everyone wants to come out and help their team, their club team win. And it was really phenomenal. So really motivating to know that you're running for your team and, uh, and a really good experience. But I, I felt it yesterday, Monday, uh, I felt really, uh, I was kind of sore. I noticed, um, I teach a class in the morning and I noticed that even going easy on the bike, my watts were lower. Uh, so I just took that as a cue that I was fatigued and shook out my legs and taking it easy this week. Um, I'm gonna need to get in a long run uh, since I sort of missed my long run last week, but uh, but just trying to listen to my body now and get some sleep and recover. Smart, well you did a great, you ran a really strong race finishing under 110, which yeah, is awesome. So last year was 109. Uh, 45 and this year was 109.35. Which is great on, on such a hard course too. So congratulations Thank to you. you and the team. I was super excited to see that when they shared the results on social media. Yeah, I usually wait around for the results and it takes a really long time because they have to wait for everyone to finish and then they have to score. It's a very complicated scored uh, with scores and displacers. And I usually try to hang around and wait, but I just wanted to get home and get dry. I brought a change of clothes, but my hair was still wet and I just... I, I knew we had teammates that were going to hang around, and I wanted to get home to my nice warm house and a, and a warm shower. Oh, I don't blame you at all. Um, so to your point, last week we had on Christy, Christy Ashwinden, <laughs> who talked about recovery. Um, interestingly, you mentioned how you're giving your body time to recover. Do you think that the conversation we had with her and reading the book um, made you a little bit more aware of your body's need for recovery and respectful of that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it made me think about the sleep aspect really was I knew that that's what I needed the most to recover. And unfortunately, like we've talked about before, I teach this early Monday morning class and the race was Sunday and I knew I was going to have to be up at 420 in the morning on Monday. So I tried to get in bed a, a little bit earlier Sunday night to try to get that extra sleep. And now I'm just going to focus this week on really getting into bed uh, early and trying to get a good at least eight hours of sleep a night. Definitely. So for those who missed the episode last week, we strongly encourage anyone, especially those training for spring marathons that are in the, this last uh, six to eight weeks of training to really um, listen to that episode or read the book Good to Go. There were so many good pieces of information and we really believe that some of the information shared by Christy in our discussion could lead to better race results. So definitely check that out. And speaking of which, we are really excited this week to present a runner and an a runner out of Israel. Her name is Beatty Deutsch. And we discovered Beatty, also known as Speedy Beatty, on social media. Um, we had a few friends who knew Beatty in Israel, and we were um, pretty ambitious and connected with her because we had this strong feeling that her story and her words of advice would resonate with anyone who's training for a race or anyone who's been through a struggle in a race or anyone who knows they have more in them and just really wants to do their best. And we just got off the phone with BD and we decided to record right now um, because we just both were sitting here thinking, wow, that was an incredible conversation. So even if you are not training for Boston this spring, we really encourage you to listen to BD, whether you are a new runner, a seasoned runner, or a runner just trying to get back into it and finding your motivation. We promise you that you will take something away from the conversation we just had with this amazing runner who is now representing Israel in the Olympics. Um, or or, or qual uh, qualifying, she's now, she's, yes. yes. Yes, she's qualified to represent Israel in the Olympics, and we hope that that's 
where she's headed next. And I have no doubt seeing her trajectory, her trajectory has been amazing. Just not so long ago, her half marathon time was one thirty, which was a really great, strong time. And then just this past weekend, she ran a one seventeen, one seventeen, and, and in such a short amount of time. And she's just started running about three and a half years ago. And she is a busy mom with five young kids and works. And so really just been really amazing to see her progression and knowing that she's somebody who's like us who's busy and has kids and family and and other things going on and she's really listening to her helps helped us understand how she how 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 she's done this and it's really it's really inspiring. Yeah, absolutely. So we wanted to make our introduction short today because we wanted to hand it over to Speedy Beedy or Beedy Deutsch and um we also just wanted to give a shout out to all of the people who have been listening to our podcast. We are so grateful for all of you with your feedback and with your shout outs on social media. We had a contest last week where we um, told people who gave us a shout out that you would automatically enter to um, win a copy of the book Good to Go. And we are really happy to announce that the winner of the contest is, drumroll please. Annie Rosenthal. Annie um, is one of our runners, and she was someone who posted um, a mention of our podcast along with many others. And uh, yeah, we just pulled this out, and it's Annie Rosenthal. So congratulations to Annie. We'll be sending you a copy of the book, Good to Go. So thanks so much to everyone who's been listening. We have several more segments or podcast podcast episodes to go before Boston, but we really hope that this one in particular, as you're in the middle of your training, will inspire those of you listening to just give a little more and most importantly, to be grateful for this little hobby that we all enjoy so much. So bye, Lisa. Bye, Julie. Have a great week. You too. We are so pleased to welcome to our podcast today, BD Deutsch. BD otherwise known as Speedy Beatty, is the fastest female runner in Israel. Last month, she won the Tiberius Marathon in a time of two hours and 42 minutes. And just last weekend, she won the Tel Aviv Half Marathon in a time of one hour and 17 minutes. Beatty did this as a mom of five kids, that's right, five, ranging from ages nine to two. You'll hear the kids in the background a little bit And while we could have edited this out, we decided to keep it in just to keep things real because many of our listeners are parents and they will certainly get it. We so appreciated Beatty's time as it was evening in Israel when we spoke with her and we had a great conversation. We hope when you listen to this conversation that you will take away as many nuggets of wisdom as we did and that you will realize as we did while listening to her that the mind is really a powerful tool And perhaps by running with more gratitude and with more confidence in ourselves, we'll run just a little farther and faster. Thank you so much, Beatty, for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting. I think my first running podcast. Oh, we are so honored. And we hear that your nickname is Speedy Beatty. Is that correct? Yeah, it's funny. Like when I was a a kid, I wasn't running, but like I was always the one who used to run after the balls in school and like was really fast. So my friends would call me Speedy Beedy as a joke, but like I never thought it would be like anything real. And now it's kind of come back to haunt me. 
<laughs> wow. Yeah. So that's a good starting point. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and um, what got you into running? Um, so I grew up in New Jersey, and I went to high school actually in the city. I came to is I currently live in Israel. I came to Israel the year after high school and fell in love and stayed here. Have been there since. Um, here and um, I started running around three and a half years ago. Pretty much, actually, I started with a marathon, which is usually not the w- typical running path. I hadn't exercised for six years during which I had four kids and I was really tired of like feeling out of shape. Um, and I decided like the, actually the epiphany moment was we had some races on the beach with my family and I came in dead last. I'm the oldest and I used to be the fastest and I was like huffing and puffing after a hundred meter sprint. So I was like, Oh my gosh, something got to change here. (laughs) Um, And I told my husband like, that's it. I'm running a marathon, (laughs) which is like kind of like crazy, but I knew that it was the only thing that was going to motivate me to like be consistent about exercise and train. And so because how, I could have, how old, were you, how old were you when you decided to run a marathon? I was, um, I was 27, I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Go on. Um, and I had four kids at the time and my baby was around nine months. Um, and I was working and I was busy, but I knew like there's never going to be an easier time and I could push off like exercise for as long as I wanted. But if I didn't like make a decision and change something about it, like I would never start doing it. So I took the plunge and I said like, you know, I, I looked online for training plans and there was like the Hal Higdon basic training plan. And um, it's four months and I only needed to run four times a week. So that seemed very manageable. Do you mind holding on for one second? My kids are really crazy. Not at all. Hold on. I'm out now. It's very late. Both of you need to lay down. Alhanan, please go into your bed and don't you stay in your bed. He's coming in my bed. Okay. If he comes out and bothers you, I'm going to lock the door. Lay down. Lay down. Thank you. Nava's going to her crib. Okay. It Sorry, but like my house too. We're both here looking at each other, nodding our heads like this sounds like our house. <laughs> Even with uh, older kids. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's so that was my first marathon. Um, so, I can so tell you were, more about that experience. But what was, what, what was your first marathon? What was the first one you targeted? Okay. So the first marathon I ran was the Tel Aviv Marathon in 2016. Okay. I had like this this past Friday was like my three year anniversary. You know, uh, and. It's really crazy because if you had told me like three years ago that like (laughs) I would be Israel's national champion in the marathon and, you know, attempting to represent Israel in the Olympics and winning races, I I literally would have laughed. Like those goals weren't even in my head anywhere. Like there was never this like Olympic dream. It was just like, just get some exercise in your life, you know? (laughs) It's really really unbelievable what you did. And so... Talk to us. Let's go back. You've downloaded the Hal Higdon four-day-a-week four marathon plan, which so many people use to train for their first marathon. What happened during your first marathon? What was that like, and what was your time? 
So, um, actually, it was a pretty crazy experience. Um, so, about a month, I, I followed the plan, but, like, kind of, like, loosely almost. Like, I didn't know really what speed work was. The only speed work I did during my training was, like, very basic interval tr- intervals, just, like, six repeats of 30 seconds. That was it at my max. And literally a warm-up and a cool-down and, you know, and that was the extent of my speed work. I didn't really know what tempo runs were. So like occasionally I would maybe try to do one, but I wasn't really sure what I was doing. And I did long runs, which I did all the long runs properly. And I always did them like slowly. Like I was very good about running my long runs very slowly. <laughs> so about a month before the marathon, my husband said like, you know, you don't want to just cross the finish line. You want to know like when you run that race, you gave it your all. And I was like, well, actually, I think crossing the finish line would be pretty big for me. <laughs> like, and he was like pushing me like, no, I'm telling you, you're so capable, like see what you could do. Because even when I started, it was like, I didn't want to think about pace at all. Like when I started trained, when I signed up for the marathon, my husband asked me, how long do you think it's going to take? He's like, do you think you can finish in four and a half hours? And I was like, no way, four and a half hours. Like I was doing the math in my head, 10 minutes per mile, like 26.2 miles. No, no, no. So I, I didn't, so I wasn't focusing on pace. I was focusing on finishing and but about a month before, he was like, why don't you do a half marathon? And based on that, we'll, we'll, we'll do a race predictor and see what you could do. So I did like a half marathon myself in my neighbor, in my uh, local park. Like, wow. I just did 12 laps around the park as, as, you know, not sure what I was, my goal time should be at all, but just like seeing how I felt. And I got faster as it was going and I finished in like an hour 41. Stop it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> With nobody else, nobody no, else around, more. no fans, yeah. no, 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 I just, yeah, really just literally looping around a park like 12 times. I came home and told my husband and he was like, based on that time, you should be able to do a three and a half hour marathon. Wow. And I, it's nuts. I'm like, uh, no, like, I don't want to just kill myself. I'm like, it's scary because you're running a pace that I've never, I never ran eight minute miles. And then it was going to be at a distance I've never run. I never went for, I never ran close to 26.2 miles. Most was 20. Mm-hmm. So I thought he was nuts, but I also like challenges and he was encouraging me. And we found like, we, he said, why don't you start slower, a little bit slower. So you feel comfortable easing into it. Cause it always takes time. I feel like for your body to warm up. And he's like, you'll just get fast, progressively faster every mile. And he literally did a calculation for me so that, if I, that I would average out with an eight minute mile, if I followed this plan and like finish in three and a half hours. And he set my watch that it would beep if I went too fast or too slow for every mile. So I'm like, okay, I got my plan. (laughs) Like, I guess I'll try. It was totally taking a risk and pushing myself out of my comfort zone. Um, but I was, I I decided to go for it. So I, I remember starting the race and like, I saw the three and a half our pacing group and I knew they would be just doing a steady eight minute mile and I was like okay I'm not going with them like I held back literally the whole first half of the race I was I was really disciplined I was like just hold back hold back hold back don't go faster I didn't move from like I was looking at my watch the whole time you know like I was like it was a whole new thing for me and after the second half I was feeling good so I'm like I can go a little faster if I feel good and I and I remember just like slowly getting a little faster and and my kids were waiting at like five miles to the finish line with signs. And my husband ran with me the last five miles. My sister was there with the kids and it was really exciting. I remember like they all came out to Tel Aviv, which is like a drive from where I live. 
And by the end of the race, I was passing everyone and I was running like 740 miles. Wow. And I finished in three hours and 27 minutes. That's incredible. for me, it was such a powerful experience because it revealed this like incredible strength that I had no idea that I had. I think all marathons do this for us, like, you know, like empower us and uncover strength that we didn't, you know, we're not aware of and realize what we're capable of. But it also just reinforced this idea that I like learned my whole life, but I never like actually physically experienced. Like I never, it never made sense to me in such a real way, which was that we go through challenges to help like reveal our potential to bring to bring out our potential and I never like really got what that meant like 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 when you're a kid your teacher tells you like Hashem sends God sends you tests to to help you experience your potential but here I totally understood it like I had to go through this challenge of the marathon and push myself to an extent that I never would have before because Otherwise, I, I wouldn't have revealed this gift within me of running and the strength that I had. And literally, if I hadn't taken that risk and pushed myself, I probably wouldn't be talking to you today, you know? Like, if I had just stayed in my comfort zone and do what's comfortable and not try to go faster, and, like, I, I, didn't, I wouldn't have realized what I was capable of. So I'm really great. That experience for my first marathon was just amazing. And after that, I was very hooked on running and did not have any issue motivating myself. <laughs> um. Let me ask you something. You, what you said is, it, we completely agree that a marathon is a parallel to life. And you're right. It's a tangible way to demonstrate that we can um, ca- conquer our challenges and our fears. It sounded like you had some trepidation, understandably, at sustaining that pace when you went into your first marathon. How was your husband, who was sort of your coach at the time, how yeah, did his totally. support play into that? Um, so I felt like just because I was kind of so just clueless about racing in general and I trust, and he is the type of person that does research and knew, knew a lot more about sports and had been training and he's, he's a cyclist, but still just been training and exercising for longer. So like, I felt like if he was telling me it made sense and he was, and he had done the research and he's not, he's not a like he's actually a more pessimistic kind of person. I'm the overly optimistic person. Love it. <laughs> he's very logical and thought out. And I'm like, Hey, we can do anything. and like, jump right in. So if he was telling me to do this, like, I'm like, okay, I guess I should believe it. You know? Great. Um, and I, Jen, it's funny because I'm not actually a person that usually doubts myself. I, I think I'd have been blessed with a lot of natural self-confidence, but with this kind of thing, like, I think, I think my confidence has grown so much through my running. Like, I think at that point in my life, I was just like at a place of like, not really sure what I was even capable of. Cause I had done so little with my body for six years. Yeah. Well, not so little. We wouldn't say you did so little. You had children, which is a lot. That's totally true. Yes. It was like, I've done the biggest things in my life, but I have, I had lost a certain part of myself, you know? Yeah. So how did, how did you fit your training? We know we, t- we talked about having just four days, but that's still a lot of time to dedicate when you're working and you have kids and young kids, especially. How did you, how did you train for that first marathon? And then subsequently, how have you put in all of the training time necessary? I, so I, what I realized is that some, if there's something you want badly enough, you will always find a way to do it. It's just a matter of rearranging your priorities. At that time when I started running, I actually wasn't able to run early in the morning because I still had a baby that would like wake up early and it didn't, it's not, it wasn't like something I was aiming for, but 
so I think my, my working schedule was like a little more flexible. Like I, I worked maybe less hours. I'm not even sure, but, but, um, I, I found like, I, I ran my long run on Friday when I don't work Friday mornings, my kids are still in school and I don't work. And it's, I mean, I still, you still have to be organized with Shabbat preparations, but it managed to work out for me. And I also ran the other one other run was Saturday night with my husband. So that was also like, I'm not working then. And then my kids would be asleep and we get a babysitter and go out. It was like a date night run. It was great. Love that. Then, yeah, I, we're still doing it. And then um, the other two runs I would fit in like um, either my, we would go with the kids to the track after school. My husband came along also, or like I, I, I do in the morning before I uh, started working in between, you know, when they are, I, I used to take my son in the stroller even at that time for some of the runs because I didn't, yeah. oh, he wasn't always with a babysitter. So I, there was definitely times I had to juggle things and like, it's, it's a, it's always a balancing act and you have to prioritize. And like some days you won't get your run in even when you wanted to. And you know, you just have to decide, like realize if your kid's sick, it's okay. That's like, you know, that's the most important thing right now. Um, for for this training cycle where I increased my volume significantly, yeah, I us, started. Like, tell us, um, since you you had started running at four days a week, what? How many days a week are you running now? Now I run like six or seven times a week. I just told my coach today that I like having a rest day. He's the he's of the he sometimes gives me a full week and just has like one of my days easier. I mean, uh-huh. some of my days are easier. But I personally kind of like having the rest day. I just feel like it's just good to have one day off. I, I and I like running. I like running Saturday nights. I like having one rest day in the middle of the week. But yeah, it's it's, it's every other week or so. I, I run like six six days and then some seven. Okay, so tell us um, between the time that you ran your first marathon and you were running four days a week, you had two more children. How did your running fit into that? No, I only had one more. I'm sorry. Five kids. Five kids. Sorry. Okay, I have, extra. I have extra. Five kids. So you had one more. I hope I have more. No, but um, I, I ran. So I ran when I was pregnant with my fifth child. I actually ran a marathon seven months pregnant. And we um, remember that because that is the first time that we noticed you or knew about you was there were a lot of viral um, posts on social media about this pregnant mother running a marathon. And there were so many people who were super supportive, but of course there were those other, you know, mother shamers, whatever you want to call them, who, who had things to say about it. And how, how was that for you running the marathon pregnant? And did you realize that you had become viral as a result? <laughs> so I totally didn't do it for like any attention or media. My father's an OB, so he gave me his full like approval because I wasn't introducing something new to my like body at the time. I running was very comfortable for me. Um and exercise is actually really beneficial for you during pregnancy. Obviously, if you have a high risk pregnancy or you don't run typically, then like I wouldn't suggest starting during pregnancy, but um, it was my fifth child and my best pregnancy and my best labor and my best delivery. Like, and I recovered the fastest. So I have only good things to say about running during pregnancy. And I always said, like, if I had felt at any point during the marathon that I was not comfortable, like I was hurting myself or not comfortable or any concerns, I would have stopped immediately. Like I know I had no, you know, I'm not, not interested in endangering myself or my, or the baby I was carrying. 
But the reason I chose to train for a marathon was because I knew I needed the motivation to exercise when I'm pregnant. And I'm very, like, goal-oriented. And having that goal just kept me getting like it's easy when you're pregnant to just sit on a couch and be tired and I don't blame you (laughs) but like on the every every time I run I feel good and I want to give myself I want to you need to take care of yourself more when you're carrying a child so I wanted to give myself that um self-care and time and I'm really really happy with you know, the experience. Well, we really loved watching your journey, um, which we started noticing from that point. And we loved all of your responses to those people who were critical because you're absolutely right. If it's something that your body is used to and it feels good, why not? Um, Right. And knowing your body and knowing that you need to stop. If if you don't feel right, you, you obviously are very aware of your body. So um, tell us after your pregnancy, how quickly were you able to, um, start running again? I started running four months after, sorry, not four months, four weeks, four weeks after I had a baby. I mean, some people tell you six weeks. I think it depends on your body between four and six weeks is mm-hmm. safe. Um, I, I, uh, started obviously very gradually and, you know, really gave myself, I, when I, after I have a baby, I'm really good about like, I rest a ton. I try and sleep and lay down and, you know, really easy on myself. and like, don't rush into anything. Cause I think proper recovery is super important to getting back to yourself quickly. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, then it was really nice. I had the first time in my, I had the first real maternity leave. Um, like in Israel, we get like three months off, which was amazing. That's awesome. And I was able to like enjoy that. I enjoyed my baby so much. I took her on so many stroller runs and yeah. And I got, and I was able to get back into running, you know, like pretty quickly. It's amazing. So tell us the ages of your five kids now. Um, so my oldest is nine. Then I have a seven-year-old who's almost eight. Then I have a six-year-old, a four-year-old and an almost two-year-old. So you have now, since your almost two-year-old was born, your times have exponentially gotten faster. Take us on that journey and tell us um, a little bit about what happened between the time you returned to running after your last pregnancy and last week. Um, <laughs> so it's funny. After I, after I ran my first marathon, I like casually set this goal of trying to win the Jerusalem marathon like be the fastest Israeli woman I didn't actually actually win it I was the fastest Israeli woman because I had looked at the times and I thought hey this is something I could do like it's not the most competitive um run and um sorry about that and I I realized I, I thought it was something I could do so I was still training on my own but I like kind of increased the frequency of my running and I started doing more like speed workouts but since I didn't have a coach and I didn't have like a very structured training plan, I don't think it's definitely, it was kind of like, Oh, every week, like, Hey, what, what speed workout do I feel like doing this week? You know, not like very yeah scientific about it. Um, which I think that from this, after I did Jerusalem, I chose to start training with a group with a coach and the way we built up our mileage and intervals was extremely structured. And that was really powerful. Um, but just myself, I, I, you know, got just having a little more focus. I was able to 
train for Jerusalem. And I actually discovered I was um, anemic and had celiac disease about a month and a half before the marathon. Wow. How did you... How did you discover that? Were you feeling exhausted and went to the doctor? Or? I did my first. Yeah, I did my first twenty-mile run, and it was it was raining, and which I let, I don't mind the rain. I'm usually fine in the rain, but like I came home from that run, like it had taken me three hours, which is a nine-minute pace per mile. That's like at that point, that was like kind of slow for me, even though it was with a lot of hill. But I had taken a plus. I had had to take like a half hour of breaks. Like every hill had felt so tiring and I came home and I actually te- like texted my group of friends who I have like a I have a virtual like whatsapp group of friends who all run in different right. places we all like support each other and I was like guys I am not making my goal this year like I, I, I cannot possibly run Jerusalem in the time I want I was like I'm so dead and it was weird to me because I'd been training for like you know six months or something like and I was really and I felt like instead of getting stronger I started to notice like maybe I was getting weaker huh. and that that run had made me question myself. So I decided to go and get a blood test because actually the next day I did like a recovery run and also came back like totally fatigued, like was shaking. And when they did the blood test, they were like, your hemoglobin's like at seven <laughs> and you're severely anemic. And if I hadn't been running, I might not have discovered it because like when you're a mom, you're always tired. So you always just assume it's like, oh yeah, I'm just tired. And it was, and I really, it was really pronounced because I saw such a difference in my training. So, um, I, I, I took another test to celiac runs in my family and I found out that I was, I had celiac disease and it was a month and a half before Jerusalem and I was kind of down for a day. And then I decided, you know, there's no point in getting like too sad about it because first of all, like I said, look on the bright side, I was able to figure out what was wrong with me so quickly and I have a solution. And I'm grateful that like there's a clear plan for me to take care of myself now. And, you know, I have a month and a half. I don't know if that's if, if things will get better so quickly, but I was like, I might as well I'll do everything I can. And if it doesn't, then I, I live in Jerusalem and I can always do it another year, you know? So yeah. I was very like, okay, like, and I feel like that's really important to stay positive when you face obstacles because like you're doesn't it doesn't matter what you're trying to do. You're bound to like face difficulties in order to re- reach your goals. And it's just part of life. And if you let, if you choose to, you know, let your obstacles stand in your way and get you depressed and down, then you'll never be able to reach the successes that you want. Or if you choose to use them as a, like something to build upon and take you to the next level and realize that the failures I will bring you to success, then I think you'll, that's, yeah, that's how, that's really key in life. Absolutely. That, um, it's a blessing in disguise because having celiac disease has helped me like with my diet for this marathon, for the Tavaria marathon, when I chose to like get a little more serious about my eating and nutrition, it was just easier to be healthier because I can't eat any cake or cookies that I want. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so and and I have you're more eat- thoughtful, I'm sure. When you're hungry, you think about it. Yes, that's exactly. So Yeah, so what did you have to do once you had the diagnosis of anemia and the celiacs? What what other than, you know, your nutrition did what did you how did that help you? I started taking iron and I and I cut out gluten and then I continued and I really felt better so quickly. Great. To the point that when I did the I so I did the half marathon like as a preparation for before Jerusalem, like I did the Tel Aviv half. Yeah. And I had planned on trying to do a one thirty five. I was like actually had a cold that day also. 
And I came back from the race and I had like just, I did a 130 without even thinking. Like, like I didn't even notice my time and I was just like finished. I had cut, like I had done five minutes faster than I was planning on it, like surprisingly. So I was like, hey, I'm in better shape than I realized. Wow. When I started the Jerusalem Marathon, I, my goal in my head, I said, you know, if I do 320, I should have a good chance of, of winning. Just, it's a very hilly course. So that's like, yeah. in general, the course, the course records are around 319, 320, whatever. I said, my ideal time would be 316. And I was like, that was what I was hoping for. We should also add with Jerusalem, it's not only a hilly course, but it's hot and the roads aren't paved smoothly. Yes, it's definitely, it's definitely an adventure. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of like a paved, it's, I mean, it's got the feel, I would imagine a little bit of a trail run at sometimes where your body is having to work harder with your footing and with the hills. Right. Yes, exactly. I mean, I tell people to like, like, that's why I didn't do it for my first marathon. I think if it's your, it's not a good idea for your first run, just because it's extra, it's an extra challenge, but it's an amazing, it's an amazing, amazing experience. So you went in with a goal of 316 and what happened at that race? I was, yeah. So I was on the starting line because I really wanted to, you know, get the fastest Israeli woman. So my, I knew my gun time mattered. So I was literally standing behind Shadrach Kipaji, who's no. won the marathon. Not, he's won the marathon seven times there. He's like, and we don't look anything alike. Like the picture <laughs> makes I'm like short in my head covering and skirt, and he's tall, super skinny, running shorts and tank top, and like the contrast is comical. I love and it. And the gun goes off, and I'm starting to – and I'm running with all these really elite runners. So I was running, I looked at my watch and I was like, wait, I'm going so fast. But like, I know I'm not supposed to go too fast in the beginning. And like, it's feeling so good, but I can't like figure out, like I, I need to hold, I keep telling myself like, don't go too fast. Don't go too fast. And then I'm like, and I said, hold on a minute. Like I had this like conversation with God and I was like, so I know that we don't rely on miracles. Like we say no miracles, but you know, God, I'm not asking you for a miracle. Like at the end of the day, I put in a lot of work to train. So this is not unrealistic of me to say, you know, you could help me go a little bit faster. You know, <laughs> I might be able to go faster than I thought. Like it's in your hands, God. And if you want it, you could make it possible. So like that was my like direction I took. And I started to just think about all the like, you know, Psalms and, and from prayers where we acknowledge that God's the source of our strength. Like we say, he gives strength to the weary or I'll carry you on the wings of eagles. And those were all running through my mind as I'm like running through the beautiful holy streets of Jerusalem. And my husband met me with like nine miles to go actually this time. And he ran with me and I was really not even looking at my watch because it's such a like hilly course that you can't always be stuck to your pace. You kind of have to go with your body's feel. And I, I was following an Italian guy that I had no idea who he was just pacing myself off him. And I remember with the last, like the last kilometers, like all uphill as if you haven't run enough hills, the entire 41 kilometers. But, um, <laughs> I remember like I, I was ha- almost there and I took this, I sprinted. I had like still had energy in me, sprinted, sprinted to the finish line. And I crossed the finish line in three hours and nine minutes. Wow. So, which was totally like also crazy. You know, I had not expected it. And so after that, people were like, you know, your, your, your time, it was, it's actually a course record for Israeli women in the Jerusalem marathon. Wow. No one, no 
really has done it, but it's also just not the most serious course. But um, people were like, your time in Jerusalem was crazy, and you, sh- you could definitely sub three, and you should join a you should join a running group, and you know you need a coach. And so I I, I thought, okay, I guess I will, and I found a group to train with, which was really powerful for my next marathon. What what is that group? Is that is that a group that you um, and is it? Do you run in person with them? Yeah. So there's there are three like like more serious running groups in Jerusalem and. This one is my, the one I chose was called Harua Hashnia, Second Wind, and the coaches are Etty and Yoram Einer, and it's very much a family. And they we had one track workout a week that we're together, and we had we do the long runs together, and we did a tempo workout some sort some of the part of the training together. Um, a lot of the group they live close, people live close by. They also do their regular easy runs in the morning together. I usually ran that myself, but um. There was so, and everyone was super supportive, and we and the coaches really. So their their philosophy is is higher volume, and higher mileage. So I started running closer to like sixty five miles a week, which I had not done previously at all. I never reached that much mileage in my training for Jerusalem, and I had I had strong runners to pace me for the speed workouts, and we built up like we started let's say with like four to five miles of interval training and by the end of the by the end of the marathon season like as we're getting closer to them we'd finish with like seven or eight intervals of speed work so um the whole process was very it was a process building up in the like endurance and duration of our speed and when you're training are you training with mostly men i would imagine with your speed your most of your running partners are men all guys yeah okay so um I have I know a few women who run and sometimes I do run like I sometimes do you know chilled runs with them but like for speed workouts I'm always with guys that makes sense so um after you achieved your 309 what happened next um so that's when I so FDS so I I started training for Tiveria the following fall season Um, so I had like, we took, we took kind of a break over the summer, um, or just like easier. And then it's good. I think it's, it's really important to give your body like a month of like, we have a, we had a month called like Pagra or like downtime where there was like no speed training, very, very low mileage, just very easy, comfortable running, like minimal. Um, and then, then we started in August to build up. I had a month of like building up volume. And then in September we started with more speed work and, um, I did my first like really intense, like first real like 10K competition um, in September. And that was when I'm the first time I broke 40. I did a 38 minute 10K. And I remember that was an average pace of like of, of 610 per mile. And I was I was dead at the end. Like I had given it my all. And I actually finished I finished second place in the race, but I was very happy that I'd broken th- for me, 38 minutes, it was 38.04, and it was an amazing time for me. Oh, yeah. Amazing time for anyone. Um, however, the crazy thing is that four months later, with my four months of training, I ran the Tiberia or Tiberius Marathon at the same exact pace, four times the distance wow. in the exact same pace. And I never would have imagined that over those four months of training, I, I would make such a big jump. And I finished the Tiberius Marathon feeling so much better than I felt at the end of the 10K. 
That's really that, amazing, BD. Do you think that your break before you started um, training for the 10K had anything to do with your ability to exponentially increase your speed between the 10K and the marathon? I don't know. I'm not sure So, if it had so much of a difference just because I don't think I was – I don't even think I was really working my body so hard like until that point because because I never did so much volume and I didn't do so much high-intensity speed work either. I, I think the biggest difference for me, why, how I made such a big jump, like from Jerusalem to Tiberias, is a 20, I cut off 27 minutes for my marathon time. Wow. Now, it's true that the Jerusalem course is very hilly, but I was starting at a good time. I was starting with 3.09. It's, doesn't make, it's not very normal to cut off so much time no. typically. No. Um, <laughs> so I think. Especially yeah. at a high level. I mean, when you ran Jerusalem, you were you were already at a high level of training and effort. So to cut 27 minutes off of that, talk to us and tell us how you, first of all, how you did it, but then also how you were able to maintain a mindset that you could go faster. Because a lot of us, our barriers aren't necessarily physical, but they're mental in terms of how fast one can go. Yeah. So I've always been a very mentally strong person and I definitely see it as an advantage. Um, and first of all, I think that, um, it's funny cause when I signed up for the marathon, my first marathon ever, my husband said to me like, you know, you can't mind over matter a marathon. Like you're going to have to train for it. <laughs> and I was like, well, you're, and I said, you're right. But the truth is like, at the end of the day, you, you do need a mind over matter certain parts of it, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I think my mind over matter skills have very much enhanced my, um, running like tra- my training. I'm very in tune with the voices in my head and I've go- gotten even more in tune with it to like, to be out. And I know that when I hear, uh, whenever I go to the place of feeling tired or weak or defeated, I don't, I like really don't even let myself go there because I know the second you start like hearing those voices, you, you, you'll feel your body slow down. And I always channel the, the feeling of I can, and I am, this is painful, but that's what I want. I want like no, no, no pain, no gain. Like if it doesn't change me, if it doesn't challenge me, it won't change me. You know, if I'm in it, if I want to get better, I got to be out of my comfort zone. And like, I, and I also have a lot of my faith, like in God, really, I always say, you know, at the end of the day, my strength is not mine. It's coming from him. You know, running yeah. is a, is a gift that he's given me. Everything that we have is a gift from God. And when you channel that and realize that he's in charge and he's running the world and anything is possible. And, you know, I'm connected to the, God is infinity. So what I'm, can I'm, so if I'm connected to that and I have a piece of infinity within me, then there are no limits to what I could achieve. And when you really, really know that inside and you, you tap into that, then you will feel your body perform at a greater level. You know, obviously there are, we, there, every human is created differently, but I truly believe in the possibility for every person to push themselves past like what they are currently at, you know, and I think, first of all, I think anyone can run a marathon. It's just like, it's a mindset and obviously training. I don't think, and I, I also don't believe everyone has to at all. Like I think everyone, I think in general, I say, you know, it's just important for you to find exercise and movement that you enjoy and take care of your body that way. But like you need to do something for your body, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So we see a theme and what we love is that 
it's gratitude. You have so much gratitude. And that it seems to be something you, you post a lot about your gratitude on social media. It's very, it's wonderful to read because you're very mindful that you have a gift. However, you work really hard to talk to us. How did that happen in four months when you crossed the finish line in a 10K at 610 and then ran a 610 pace at the Tiberius Marathon four months later? So I know I don't my coach always tells me like she's like you're a well I actually actually switched now I'm not even running with that group because I had to get a a private coach to to continue trying to train to be funded by Israel to train for the Olympics but um my coach used to tell me like don't just give all the credit to God like you're a workhorse and and I don't I I showed up to every run. I never missed a run, you know, like I put, I definitely put in all the work that I was supposed to put in and I stuck to, you know, all the paces she told me whether it was going really slow. And I went, I go slowly on my recovery runs. I really slowed down my recovery runs because you can't run hard all the time. I think it's really important for people to know also, like, thank God I have really, t- like, I'm really thanking God for this, but I haven't really had any you know, injuries. And, um, and I, I listen and I don't, I don't p- try and push it all the time, you know, yeah, very mindful. So I enjoy my easy runs. <laughs> what, what is your, what, just to let our listeners know, what do you typically, what piece do you typically run your easy recovery runs? If I'm running in the hills in my neighborhood, then I run something around the average, it will come out to around like an eight, eight to eight, 10 minute pace. Right. So or two minutes per mile slower than what you're running when you're racing. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, and I'm happy with it. So if I'm doing a flat, like long run, then I'll start out a little faster, but like, I don't need to like, it depends. Yeah. Only when it's on the flat surface, like I, you know, and I just go and I don't even look at my watch when I'm running easy. I just want to feel really comfortable and, and, and you know, mm-hmm. listening to your body. That's yeah. That's really yeah. important. So you, so tell us about, what it was like when you crossed the finish line at the Jerusalem marathon, what happened there? What, what was that like? The Jerusalem marathon or the Tiberius Tiberius marathon? Yeah. It's okay. Um, it was, it was actually, I, I really crossed the finish line, like kind of stunned by my whole experience because, um, See, initially going into the race, I, I did think that I would win the marathon. I, I had a very good, you know, chance. My, my coach had told me who else was running and she knew based on the competition that I, I, I was expected to win. I knew, you know, the other women, what they were capable of. And she all, she, according to her, my plan was to stay on a pace of four minutes per kilometer, which is about 626 per mile. And, and that would have given me a 248 marathon. And, um, she, you know, I was comfortable doing that. And in my head, I secretly wanted to do a 245 because I knew that was like, that's the OQT and like, that's a big deal, you know, even though I'm not American really, but I mean, American, but I don't live, you know, I I wouldn't be able to actually represent America, but it was just like that number. So (laughs) So just, just to explain the OQT, the Olympic trials qualifying time for an American woman is 245. Um, right. So that I understand you wanted, you're, you're also, even though you're not living in America, you're also American and it, it makes you feel even a part of that in a way to be able to OTQ for that. 
Right. So, is there, a standard, is there a standard in Israel, or how does it work in Israel? We go by the international standard, which they actually haven't announced for Tokyo, but it looks like it's going to be two thirty-seven. Um, but also, so I was like, you know, I was my coach told me like, if you start going faster before thirty k, like before, she's like, oy vay lach, like don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, so I was like busy calculating in my head, like if I have only like in 12 kilometers, do you think I could cut three minutes off my time? Like it kind of seemed crazy and I was going back and forth, but, but I was like, you know, let's see how the marathon goes. On the starting line, like I was feeling great. My whole taper went amazing. I was so trained for this. I did the half marathon like, like a month before the race and I, and I completely, I, I even with the raining and everything, I finished in one nineteen fifty, and I felt like I had so much energy left. I was like, came to the finish line, like, whoa, it's already here. Like I was disappointed I didn't have more to run. <laughs> so I felt good, and we started. The race started, and I was doing my pace perfectly. I was with my group of guys. We were all running, you know, six twenty six mile. It was feeling amazing. I was like thanking God for like I was dancing, you know, like I was singing the song in my head, like all the limbs of my body will praise God. Like who is like you just like so much gratitude and so much. And it was so enjoyable. And, and I was on a high, you know, it's all going perfectly. And as I was getting towards the halfway point, it's a very boring course. You just go there and back all of a sudden I saw on the other side already coming on back another woman. And it wasn't any other woman. She was Israeli. So there she was, she was going to take my championship title. And I recognized (laughs) her done a 237 marathon. So it was like, I have no chance against her. She's well ahead of me. She's done a 237 marathon. And like, you know, at the end of the day, when I go to a race, it's not necessarily, I can only do the best I can. And whoever shows up, that's out of my control. So I was kind of disappointed, mostly because like, I felt like I was letting my coach down and my family. But then, you know, I knew for myself, I'm just going to give it my best. And after a minute of of feeling disappointment, I said to myself in my head, you know, God is with me every step of the way and anything is possible. And I not didn't just say it, like I really, really believed it. And I had this mental shift in my head that anything is possible. And the race is not over until it's over. And I was going to give it every ounce of strength I had. And we turned, we got, I got to the turning point And I told the guys I was running with, I saw another person up ahead and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go catch up with him and pace myself off him because he's going a little faster. And, and what do I have to lose? Because the third place woman had already dropped behind and my first place woman's ahead. And I was like, I might as well see how, how fast I can go and see what I can do. And I, I just kept repeating in my head and God's with me every step of the way anything's possible, like repeating it over and over. And after the guys kind of were like, you're crazy. What are you doing? Like, you know what our coach told you. <laughs> and afterwards, one of the guys said to me, like, he's like, I wanted to grant, grab you, but I couldn't. They wouldn't touch me. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, and I started to run. And in my head, I had these like two wild thoughts. Like on the one hand, it was like, God's with me. I can do it. And on the other hand, it was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? What if I just blow up right now? Like I'm, I'm running so fast. I still have another half marathon to do, you know? <laughs> like, that's, 
but like I didn't listen to that voice. I was just like, go ahead. And I got to the person that I was trying to catch up to. And I started to follow his feet feeling like, you know, I steadied myself because I had like pushed for a couple minutes to, to reach him. And then I steadied myself and I felt comfortable. And then, you know, a, a kilometer or two passed and I was like, I feel good. I'm going to go a little faster. And I kept going faster. And before I knew it, like people were shouting to me from the other side, like, Yelena's up ahead. She was the other woman. And I was like, what? And I got to the hill and I sped down the hill. And I love hills because that's where I live. I live in hills. Uh-huh. And I find myself behind her back. And it was crazy. It was just like, I couldn't believe that I'd caught up to her. And, and after I said, I'm just going to follow her till, you know, like a kilometer to go. And hopefully I'll have a sprint in and, and I'll be the champion. I'll regain my title. And after two minutes of pacing off of her, she turned around to me and she said, I'm finished. I'm dead. And this is your race. Go ahead. Because she was such a good sport and she knew that she was just, it wasn't her day, I guess. And, and she didn't want me to like give up on any of the time I could have had. And she saw that I had more strength. So I took her blessing and continued to run. And my race predictor on my watch had been set to like try and qu- make the 245. And now it was telling me I was going to finish in 244. And then I was just pushing and it was, it was getting lower, like 243. And I knew I just wanted to see my kids. They were like 100 meters to the finish line. And I saw my watch was telling me I was going to get there by two, in like 242. And I was just thinking, I just want to see my kids. And I'm like, I passed them. I was blowing kisses and like, singing, like I was so happy. And I crossed that finish line in two hours and 42 minutes. Wow. And had a personal record in the half marathon of the second half of my marathon. I did a 118 half marathon. So you negative Which split. was why. You negative split. That so I had a six minute difference between my first and second half. And the crazy thing is that a week or two, a week after the marathon, the Israel Olympic Committee called me and said, you know, we don't normally do this. All that We pick all the athletes at the beginning of the year that we're funding. But um, since you qualified for with a two, 242 is the cutoff time we have to qual to fund an Olympic candidate. It's the lowest level, but we want, so they said, we want to fund you to train um, to try and represent Israel in the Olympics. And I hadn't known that 242 was a significant number, but clearly it was, you know, part of God's plan and he knew, and I made that time. And now I am part of the, you know, Olympic team training. And I, I mean, I'm not guaranteed a spot until I do another marathon and qualify officially, but it's my goal. And, you know, I've announced it and it's scary and it's going to take a lot of hard, hard work, but I'm, I'm hoping I'm excited about it. What, is that, what, very, does, what does that mean to be part of the Olympic? I mean, you mentioned you have a different coach now. So what does that mean? Um, so it means kind of, I mean, in a certain sense, I have more responsibility to perform because I get funded by Israel. I have also gotten sponsorship from Nike, not, not, not money, but like clothing and shoes, um, which is really helpful. I have to submit monthly reports of my training. I get to go as an inter- as a delegate for Israel to like international races and I get my travel funded. Hopefully I'm going to maybe be able to do a training camp in the summer i am only if my kids can come we're working on the details of that (laughs) but (laughs) it's it's and um it just and i'm i'm in the the you know uh the it's specific level the olympic level it's it's a pretty small group of athletes in israel um in this field but um 
yeah, they, they basically are hoping that I can represent them. So we have no doubt that you will do that marathon and get that time to represent Israel. There's no question. And it's just really amazing how it happened in that you didn't even know that that time was significant, but that was right around the time you finished. And it's kind of cool that you didn't know because maybe you would have been disappointed, but you weren't because you didn't know. And then they called you, which is amazing. Those are the best things in life that come when you're not expecting them or when you're not looking for them, I think. Yeah. And, and I, I, I live with the mindset of, of acceptance and that just knowing whatever, I mean, it's just something I str- I've struggled with a lot, but I think at this point I really work on just whatever happens is meant to be. And, you know, there's a lot of things that I've gone through in my life and just um, knowing when I get to a start line of a race, I have zero anxiety because I know that at the end of the day, like all I can do is show up and do my best and whatever's meant to be will happen. And, and I, that takes the pressure off of me. Like I really put that faith in God in there and, and I don't feel, I, I never go to a race feeling nervous. I go to a race feeling super excited. That's great. <laughs> so, that's great. Can you tell us too about um, Bait Daniela, which is your, you know, you've been fundraising for Bait Daniela. Can you tell us a little bit yes. about what that is and your involvement? So, Bay Daniela is uh, going to be a rehab program, a day center for youth that are struggling with um, mental illness, including or emotional and mental illness, um, including eating disorders. Um, it, they're actually opening their doors next month, which is amazing. Um, it was founded in memory of my cousin, Daniela Pardes, who at age 14 took her own life um, after suffering from anorexia and she came out of the hospital and it was very hard for her to reintegrate back into her everyday routine. And she really didn't have any place. She couldn't go to school and she was at home, but she didn't have a specific framework set up for her. The only thing that gave her comfort was working in a dog kennel and her mom who's amazing and her family has want to create a framework for kids who come out of hospitals um, and need to reintegrate back into their everyday lives. And that is what Beit Daniela is going to provide. Um, they have a beautiful location in Sor Hadassah, right outside Jerusalem, with horse therapy and dog therapy and a, an incredible team of therapists and psychologists and all working together with the parents to empower these kids to feel themselves again and to be able to get a regular normal routine they're going to have the schooling there so that they don't feel like they're not missing out of schoolwork. they're going to have the kids learn how to care for all the dogs and animals so that they feel really in charge and responsible for something um and it's and they're going to give the parents workshops and tools to work with their kids so it's a really like it's a big they're filling a huge need in in jerusalem that wasn't here until now um, for all these kids that are coming out of the hospitals. And um, I'm really like, and I see a parallel between running is a very, has been a really empowering thing for me. And I think for many people and the theme of what Beit Daniela is offering to these children is empowerment. And every, every donation makes a huge difference to us and really, you know, they've worked together with, with very minimal amount of money to get it off the ground, but there's still a lot of, you know, funds that are needed to continue the program and also hopefully like even be able to scale it in other cities. So we're very excited about it and um, really grateful for any donations. That's beautiful. And we know that um, we can follow you on social media. Can you give your handles to everyone listening? 
So I'm on Instagram as Marathon Mother, and I have a Facebook page now, BD Deitch, but also facebook.com slash Marathon Mother. Um, and yeah, I like to share motivational and <laughs> posts and just, I really, for me, um, I don't even get anything out of this. I'm not paid to do it, but anyone who's trying to run and needs, wants some support, like if you send me a message, I always, I always try and respond and I'm, I just want to encourage people and running has given me such a positive and healthy outlet in my life and done so much for me that if I could help anyone on their running journey, it's like my greatest way of giving back and, and just, I'm really great, happy to do that. Well, you're not only a, a phenomenal runner, but you are a phenomenal human being and you have really inspired both of us and uh, really just um, listening to you has been inspiring and motivating. And I know both Julie and I want, want to come to Israel. We have the, we have the Jerusalem yes. Marathon on our bucket list. But I, I told Julie, I want to start with the Tel Aviv first, I think. But, but I think they both sound, we both want to come and run with you. Um, but really just, just we want you to know that we've been following you for, you know, for quite some time now and how it's been just so inspirational and really incredible to watch your, your, your progress. And now to talk to you and just hear your, how, how you approach everything and your, your philosophy and your mindset is really, really inspiring. And you are, you are just a phenomenal person in addition to a phenomenally gifted runner. So thank you. And we, we can, we can find um, the links to donate to Bait Daniela on your social media handles. So, and we'll put that in our show notes too. We can put that in our show notes for folks to find. Really? That's the best way to tell me if you want to support my journey. Like I really, that means so much to me for anyone listening. And thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Thank you. It was wonderful talking with you and we wish you all the best and all of your future goals. And we know that we will see you at the Olympics, no doubt. Thank God you. willing. Okay. Take care. Great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.